everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all-important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. However you use your voice, if a piece of art, if a podcast, if a wedding invitation, Mm -hmm. bring someone joy or peace or inspiration or any number of like other good things, then that art is good. Mm. Yeah. You know, that work is good. And even if the only person who gets joy out of it is me, that's joy in the world that Mm -hmm. wasn't there a -hmm. minute ago. Welcome, everyone, to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we are two sisters who love business. On this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And we know all the challenges that come with starting a business between operating our wedding venue, doing speaking and consulting, and starting our luxury wedding planning company. We wake up and hustle every day. But we love what we do. And today, we're talking with Beth McMillan, founder of Oh So Cute Designs. Beth is a graphic designer, illustrator, hand letterer, doodler, painter, writer, speaker, and general merrymaker. She lives just outside Raleigh, NC with her incredible husband and super adorable daughter. By day, Beth teaches English as a second language to adult learners, but when the sun goes down, she gets wild and crafty. Beth, welcome to Hustling Gather. Hi. (laughs) Thanks for being here. I'm happy to be here. I love the wild and crafty. I can only imagine Mm -hmm. how wild it gets. If getting you, crafty. If you could see the state of my garage right now. <laughs> it's wild. It's, it's like a jungle. It, it It's dangerous. Almost. Okay. Yeah. okay. So uh, let's talk about your business and let's talk about like the beginning and your career path, how you, where you started and what made you or brought you to being creative and crafty. Okay. Let's see. I never thought I was crafty. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just never. My sister was the artistic one growing up and she had like this whole wall in our playroom of all her artwork and I had like a section of another wall <laughs> yeah. and my stuff was just subpar. It was just it was just there like <laughs> just for posterity. Yeah. <laughs> just because I made it and that was yeah. special. Um but I never I never thought I was crafty. I never thought I was creative. I never mm-hmm. thought I was artistic. And then when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was on bed rest for 4 months. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a long time. I, I reached the end of Netflix <laughs> and I got into paper planners. Mm. And if if you don't know, if you're listening and you don't know, paper planner, there's like a whole it's like, like a thing. Like a whole like culture yes. of people that love paper planners. There's a whole yes. like community of paper planners. Because they're not just like planners. They're, people use them like planners, journals, like all these things. Planners, yeah. journals, scrapbooks. Right. right. Um, just like a hobby, like a creative outlet. And so I went down a rabbit hole in a major way because I couldn't do anything else. So I was mm-hmm. sitting on the couch. And one of the things a lot of people use in their paper planners is stickers, just decorative stickers. Mm-hmm. And that gets expensive pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I thought, I can make this. And you'll see this theme come back a lot. <laughs> that I, <laughs> I see something and I think, I can make that. Um, so not knowing at all how to make that, um, I started making them. So I would buy like clip art and seamless patterns and make my own stickers. And then I thought, I can make clip art and seamless patterns. Maybe I'll just design my own. 
And so my whole creative journey has really just been like one thing leading to the next Mm. every step of the way. So it started with a planner and then it was stickers and then it was art prints and then it was seamless patterns that I put on fabric and wallpaper and then it was painting and then, you know, Mm. so it's just like one thing after another. And as I find something I like and I want to try to make, I just learn how to make it. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Like when we were first starting out with CND, like we had this really crappy logo made out of papyrus font. Don't judge us. <laughs> it was papyrus. So cool Don't judge. Time. Don't judge. <laughs> but I was like, we need a new font. And we had a friend that was a stationer. And I remember we were like, we, what would it be to like brand us or whatever? And it, at the time it was like $1,500, which was just a lot of money to oh, yeah. us. We weren't making any money. We were like, for a special font? Yeah. We didn't, I mean, we at the at the time, we didn't understand, like— What who, branding meant. What branding meant. We were like, we just need a logo. Uh, logos are their whole own Yes. Thing. So like, we did a ton of research, found—looked at some logos, back and forth, blah, blah, whatever, and um, found a couple, like, inspirational ideas. And I was like, I think I can make this because my husband does uses Adobe Illustrator. He's like, well, that's just Illustrator. And I was like— Okay. And so I started playing around with it and I realized this is extremely difficult, but like I figured out how to use it, how to use the program, figured out how to make the logo or whatnot. And now like when anyone say use Adobe, I was like, I know like the garbage version of how to do it. Like I probably make it so complicated. Like I don't know how to use all the tools because it's just literally like YouTube, random Google questions. Yeah. I found a tutorial. Yeah. But I was like, oh, I can do that. I don't need to. That seems easy. Yeah. It seems easy. <laughs> yeah. And then it led to I had to do all of our ad generation mm-hmm. and all of our website and all that stuff. And then she made a menu somewhere along the way. And then she started doing full invitation suites. Yeah. So I understand the one thing leading to another. Yeah. Because yeah. you're like, I can do that. I can do that. Why not? Yeah. yeah. But then <laughs> it comes to the point where you're like, but do I want to do that? And that's part of it as well. Like you start with one thing and you think, okay, this is – my thing that I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. But then you realize there's something else. Yeah. And you start doing that and you're like, well, this is even better. Right. (laughs) Or maybe more profitable or just more fun or, Mm -hmm. you know, something. And you think, I'm okay leaving that other thing behind. Yes. I can always go back and do it if I want to. I have that like in my tool belt now, but. Yeah. So you started doing this, and then when did you actually open up Oh So Cute Designs? Like, what made you say, I can do it, but now I should sell it? I, after my daughter was born, had an identity crisis. As lots of people do, becoming a mother. (laughs) Yeah. And I felt like I'm just this mom now. Like, I wasn't working at the time because I had had to quit my job to be on bed rest Mm -hmm. for so long. And I felt like... My life was carrying me along with it, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't really an active participant. Mm -hmm. And I realized if I let it keep doing that, it was going to turn me into someone. But is that the someone I wanted to be? You know, your experience, deep deep thoughts, (laughs) your experiences are going to shape you regardless. But Mm -hmm. you have some say in that. Mm -hmm. So I started thinking about what kind of person I wanted to be. And then I imagined what kinds of things that person might do. And I made a list of 40 things that I wanted to do to that end. Hmm. And the goal was to do all 40 of those things before I turned 40. It was my 40 mm-hmm. before 40 list. <laughs> Are and you 40? I'm 41. Oh, 41. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
I did not finish did not all those things, okay. um, but I now have a 50 before 50 list. <laughs> <laughs> How many of those 40 before 40 are on the 50 before 50? A few. A few, okay. And, and I realized along the way some of those things on the 40 before 40 list were not really pointing me in the direction I wanted mm-hmm. to go. And so I just got rid of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't have to – just because you make a decision at one point doesn't mean – Absolutely. That decision has to be the decision forever. So some of the things at the end of the – you know, when I turned 40 at the end of that list, I said, I don't really, I don't really need to do this. One of the things on it was to um, visit every winery in North Carolina. <laughs> oh, yeah. That sounds horrible. We had no idea how many wineries there are in North Carolina. <laughs> There's so many. Are you like a Muscadine wine fan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> not even like a big wine drinker. I know. <laughs> I don't know why. I think I put that on the original list because I wanted to be a person who has adventures and okay. like, does fun things. Right. So more getting to the spirit of right. why it was on the list, not the actual like physicality of doing those exactly. things. Exactly. Yeah. So I ended up changing that one to visit a winery. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just moved on from that one. Um, but there were some other things kind of like that where I was like, eh, like this is not really exactly what I want to do. It was maybe in the right spirit when I came up with it for the first list, but I think I can hone it maybe a little bit, do it a little bit better. Mm. So one of the things on the 40 before 40 list was to open an Etsy shop. Okay. I think 2016, I opened the Etsy shop mm. selling planner stickers, mm. which is a thoroughly saturated market. Yeah. And so I eventually transitioned into more like 8 by 10 art prints mm. and greeting cards. Uh, and that's a lot of what's in the Etsy shop now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my planner passion Everybody in the planner community is looking for what we call planner peace, which mm-hmm. is finding the perfect planner. It does not exist, though. For, for it's your like life. The limit does not exist the for me, girls. It does not exist. Yeah. No. A pre made planner is just not no. going to fit. Like one, one, one size, size does not fit all, all right. brains and right. lifestyles and needs. So I started designing my own just for myself because I couldn't find the perfect planner mm-hmm. either. So you had I started, not achieved this piece, I had this not. elusive <laughs> planner piece at this point. I had not. So I started making my own. Um, I tried bullet journaling. That wasn't mm-hmm. uh, fancy enough. I wanted it to be prettier. So I started doing sort of creative bullet journaling and then um, designing layouts and things like that. And that's when I learned how to use Illustrator. Mm. And um, so now some of the stuff in my shop as well as planner inserts. Okay. Mm. So That's cool. Uh, and I also do custom stuff. Yeah. People will message me and say, I can't find a planner that works for me. And I say, of course you can't. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's make one. Yeah, I've seen some of them. They're pretty amazing. Yeah. People use planners more like almost like meditative. It's like journaling and like reflection, right? It can be, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what the way I interpret it anyway. It's kind of kind of like an organized journal with pictures like a picture journal (laughs) like a a scrapbook yeah like they doodle and talk about their day or like i don't know yeah commemorate Mm -hmm. time that way i've seen some really cool ones where people do that like a things that happen in the day with drawings and news clippings and oh news clippings i mean all kinds of stuff interesting yeah Yeah. so (laughs) obviously you have amazing art skills that you didn't know that you had Right. That were shockers. Oh, yeah. So another thing on the 40 before 40 list was I wanted to do a 30-day doodle challenge. Yes. Which is another planner community thing where you, Mm -hmm. you know, in your calendar page, 
because a lot of people don't use like their monthly calendar mm-hmm. page. Right. They no. just put everything in the weekly part. So right. you doodle on this. Um, so you use the box for every day to draw a little picture. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. these challenges exist all over the place. There's okay. tons of them. And so I looked around to try to find one and I was like, I can't draw these things. I mean, they were really these abstract things that that these people wanted you to draw. Like one day's prompt would be like cozy. <laughs> Like, what's cozy? I don't know how to draw cozy. A sock? <laughs> so, so I decided to make my own list mm. Okay. of things that were easy, and I thought I could draw, and it was December, so I did a lot of holiday things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can draw a stocking. It's not that hard. Yeah. Um, so I made this really easy list of things I thought I could draw, and I put it on Instagram, and I said, I'm going to draw these things. If you want to join me, go for it. Mm-hmm. Let's make a hashtag. Mm-hmm. So Oh So Cute Doodles became a thing. Okay. Um, and it has been co-opted by the Labradoodle community. Um, <laughs> Interesting. They stole they your are, hashtag. They cute. I, don't, I don't know if they came up with it or, or if I did, but uh, <laughs> if you follow the hashtag Oh So Cute Doodles, which I do because it's mine, yeah. um, you will get lots of pictures of cute dogs. Okay. Well, that's not a bad uh, mm-hmm. fringe benefit there. Right. <laughs> so I did these 31 days of December doodles. And toward the end of the month, people were like, so when is the January list coming out? <laughs> and I said, oh, I had not planned for that. Yeah. But I was having fun. So I just did it. And mm-hmm. then for three years, I came up with doodle prompts for every day. Oh, wow. Of- it's one of them cozy. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Never went abstract with it. Uncomfortable. Always, some of them were hard. I mean, some of them were not. So, some of them were pretty complicated mm-hmm. things to draw, but I never wanted to go into an area where you couldn't Google how to draw blank. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I always wanted people to be able to. Have success. Yeah, to do it. Yeah. Why do you think that caught on? Like, what do you think people saw in it? It's a fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. It stretches you creatively. Mm-hmm. There was a community that sort of popped up around it. I had a Facebook group that started, and it was super encouraging. And people would come in and say, people would come in and post pictures of their doodles and apologize for them (laughs) and say, I'm sorry, this is so bad, but I wanted to share it. And everybody in the group was like, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're doing so great. Um, And we would regularly have people share like, this is how I drew when I first started drawing. Mm. And this is how I draw now. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing when you do just one little thing every day, how quickly you can get mm-hmm. better at it. Yeah, it's true. I love that. And I think that, I think community is what people search for like all the time. I think mm-hmm. we're always searching for like that group of people that's going to build us up, support us, you know, love where we're at. And I love it that some doodling <laughs> brings together people. Yeah, silly little thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I, but I think that's there's a lot of truth in that though. I don't think it has to be heavy. I don't think it has to be serious at why you're getting together. Like you're not creating a community because you, you know, want to change the world. You just really just want a community to someone to be with you like where you are, where you're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was really fun too to see how different people interpreted the prompts differently sometimes mm-hmm. and just the creativity that came out of it even if the drawing itself wasn't, you know, museum worthy mm-hmm. <laughs> right they were always really clever do you think that it's a something that showed you more about yourself like being because you say you're like a, a general merrymaker right which I think is true mm-hmm. knowing you and being around you but I I think there's also like this inspiration piece to it like being someone who inspires other people did you ever feel like that was your role for sure yeah okay. um when I was in preschool 
I don't remember doing this, but I remember seeing the picture, seeing mm-hmm. the paper later. Um, it, it said at the bottom, when I grow up, I want to be a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had drawn a picture of a cheerleader mm-hmm. on this paper. And I never was a, a cheerleader for sports or anything in high school, but I do feel like my life in general, a lot of the things that I have pursued and done in life have been to the end of helping other people reach their goals and their yeah. and see their own potential. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. I think it's interesting though when you when you don't and I mean you're a teacher. So I mean right off the bat being a teacher you're inspiring a generation of people and especially cuz you do adult ESL essentially, mm-hmm. right? So I mean like what a task in front of you in and of itself but like hearing you talk about your students, like they're just kind and great people and they're fabulous and just trying to find their way in this country, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's, so it seems like a natural role as a teacher that you're inspiring. Like that's just natural because you are teaching other people. I always think it's really empowering and amazing when you kind of fall into it in an unconventional way and you realize like you are inspiring, inspiring a group of people that was not intended. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's really neat. Yeah, it does seem to be a thing that I don't want to say it follows me. I think it's something that's in me. <laughs> yeah. You know, so wherever I go, that just kind of comes yeah. out. Like, <laughs> just like <laughs> whatever, that. Whatever happens, people are like, man, I really want to do this now. Yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think I can do that. Yeah. And what? I'm like, yes, you can. Go for it. <laughs> so thinking about art and how I didn't, I didn't think I had an artistic voice. And what I realized was, People like art, whatever style it is, because it brings them some kind of joy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if a piece of art or however you use your voice, if a piece of art, if a podcast, if a wedding invitation Mm -hmm. brings someone joy or peace or inspiration inspiration, or any number of like other good things, then that art is good. Mm. You know, that work is good. And even if the only person who gets joy out of it is me, that's joy in the world that mm-hmm. wasn't there yeah. a mm-hmm. minute ago, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I love that. So anything that adds goodness or joy or love or beauty or hope to the mm-hmm. world, mm-hmm. even if it's just within yourself, is worthwhile. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. it provokes thought. It's like what it is. Like when you think about something, whether it's podcast or art or whatever, like it provokes an emotion or a thought in someone else, whether it be you, someone else, whatever. I think that's the inspiring part mm-hmm. that I think about when I think of art, whether it be a sticker or something large or whatever. But it's, it, I mean, really using your voice in any way, like as an artist, as an entrepreneur, as an activist or whatever, like I think there's so much, there is so much damage not realizing what the purpose of it is. Because like I remember when I was in fifth grade, I was in chorus and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And you had to try out for chorus. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like you could just go and, and be on this chorus thing, whatever. Right. And I made the the chorus thing. But my entire life, from the time I was younger, and even to now, my whole family tell you I can't sing. And I've n- I never sing in public. I did that one year, and I never ever did it again because everyone told me like you don't have a good voice. But my chorus teacher thought I was fine. Thought you were fine. But like 
everyone. And so like I, I mean, even to this day, like with, with my children, like I would sing them lullabies or whatever. And Sam would be like, why don't you ever sing? I'm like, cause I'm not good at it. And he's like, who told you you weren't good at it? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and he's like, it's your voice is beautiful because it's your voice. Like it brings me so much happiness to hear you singing to our kids and when you're being goofy or whatever. But it's it it's so damaging mm-hmm. because what someone else finds to be perfect or beautiful in in their eyes isn't perfect or beautiful, and therefore you you just think, okay, the rest of the world thinks that. But, but does it bring you joy? It did. It yeah. did for many years. I mean, like I loved it. And I would sing by myself. I sing in my car. Mm-hmm. I sing when no one's around me because yeah. I, I enjoy it. But I can't do it in front of people. I don't like to sing in front of people either. Yeah. Um, for similar reasons. Mm-hmm. Is that why you never like participate in karaoke? A hundred percent. Well, no, I'll definitely do karaoke. I won't do it. My theory on karaoke, though, is that it was specifically designed to make everybody sound bad. That's right. So yeah. it doesn't matter. That's true. <laughs> but it's 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 literally it's not that I'm so afraid of sounding. It's like I can't. It, it, I cannot do it. Like mm. I feel like every feeling like coming back. It's like literal stage fright. And so I don't on the forty have before forty fright. list for Dana. <laughs> it needs to be sing karaoke. <laughs> Get out of yourself. No, yeah. I'm with. I know, I know that feeling. That, yeah. Even if you're kind of excited leading up mm-hmm. to it, you get to the moment where your mouth opens and mm-hmm. the voice that comes out is like this just trembling. Yes. <laughs> Maybe she wouldn't know. Terrified yes. thing. <laughs> no, that happens to me too. Yeah. What's so frustrating about it is that we get these messages from people um, directly or indirectly from like from actual people or mm-hmm. from society at large or from our families or our, um, you know, religion that you grew up in or whatever mm-hmm. that some part of you is not okay. Yeah, like it's flawed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you carry that around. Mm-hmm. And it's and and I think it buries you in a way. Yeah. Sure. That it's like people just piling on top of you all these things that I, I don't know where they even come from from their yeah. own insecurities possibly. Yeah. It's so a part of the 40 before 40 list idea was to like unbury myself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like part of my thinking who do I want to be when I'm 40? And what kinds of things would that person do was thinking, like, who am I really already inside? Mm. And I didn't realize that until I started doing the things and they mm-hmm. felt so natural. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it was like who you are is at, at your core is good and great and necessary in the world. And if you can, like, let that person out, just, like, throw off all those messages of you can't and you're not good enough or you're too much. <laughs> Um, and just be exactly who you are, you'd you'd be a lot happier. Like you would have that joy that you get from singing. Mm-hmm. And that's enough. You know, you don't have to perform in front of somebody else. But <laughs> <laughs> if you can allow yourself to have the joy yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's what we need. It's so true, though. I mean, I, I do love that. And I think it's really amazing you got to that point. And I and what I really love even more is I think sometimes, I don't know how you felt like, so you're in your 20s and you turn 30 and you're like, oh, shit, I just turned 30. Like I hadn't had my life together. And then you're getting to in your 30s. You're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be 40. Like I can remember my parents being 40. <laughs> yeah, And you yeah. – not that you feel like life is over, but it's hard to imagine starting over. It's hard to imagine reinventing yourself or saying you're going to do things differently because I can understand why 80-year-olds believe the things that they believe in are stuck in their ways because mm-hmm. they've lived for 80 years. I don't want to change the way I buy my groceries. Like I just want to <laughs> do it the way I've done it for, you know, the 60 years I've done it or whatever. So I love that freedom to realize, like, 
I've had a great life and, but I want to, I want to figure out who I am and who I'm supposed to be. And it's okay that I didn't figure it out when I was 20 and I figure out when I was 30 and I want to, this next decade of my life, I want to live who I am meant to be like, yeah. and unearth that person. And I don't want it to sound like I was just wandering through life before that and like didn't know who I was in my 20s. Sure. I feel like there was a certain kind of wisdom that came from being 20 mm-hmm. and there's a certain kind of wisdom that comes from being 25 mm-hmm. and being 30 and it's different and you grow with it. Yep. And I didn't like overhaul my entire life. Well, I feel like firmly that you can you make the best decisions with the information that you're given at the time. Mm-hmm. And information comes from experience, mm-hmm. right? And so as you're going through life, you're making decisions in your early 20s on very little information, right? right? But you're doing the best that you can do. And that information and experiences that you have at 30 are very different than when you were 20. And when you turn 40, it's very different than when you were 30 because you've been through some things. Yeah. And you realize that everything is not catastrophe at that point. And you realize that no one really gives a shit. Right. Like, it's really up to you to give a shit about you, you yeah. know, and... And I think that you you learn those things and you a lot of the fear that's associated with like either like being the persona who you really are. I mean, or uh, that fear of being too much mm-hmm. or those limiting factors. I mean, you got a few more years, so maybe that you'll be able to sing at 40. Uh, those limiting <laughs> factors, they you realize they don't they're not affecting anybody but you. Right. At that mm-hmm. point. Right. This, I went to grad school in New York City. Mm hmm. And the best thing about living in New York for me was realizing nobody was paying attention to me. Mm-hmm. Like nobody <laughs> cared in the least what I was wearing. Mm-hmm. You know, I was always scared to kind of take risks with my fashion. And this is such a stupid thing, but like I always wanted to wear hats in college, mm-hmm. but nobody wore hats. They weren't in at the time. Yeah. But I thought I was so cute in them, <laughs> but I wouldn't wear them because it was, I would have been the odd one out, you know? Yeah. Um, people would have stared at me or something. And then you live in New York and like there's a guy next to you dressed as Spider-Man. Right. So <laughs> like on the daily. Re- regularly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always a Spider-Man in Times Square. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it didn't matter. And so I started like, I always hated crew neck t-shirts. Mm-hmm. I, that felt like constricted mm-hmm. <laughs> in my neck. And so I started buying t-shirts that I liked, but just like altering them Mm -hmm. to make them a style that was more me. And the first few times wearing them, I remember being like, are people looking at me? Like, (laughs) no, they're not. They don't care. (laughs) They're worried about themselves. Yeah. So it makes more sense to do what makes sense for you because Mm -hmm. nobody else is paying attention. They don't care. Was there any of like that fear and security when you started putting your work out there for public consumption? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there still is. There still is. Okay. That's just kind of art, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sure you get to a point where you feel like confident in your voice and your work. And I do sometimes, but mostly I just don't care. Like I Mm -hmm. made this. I like it. Mm -hmm. You can like it too or not. Or not. Yeah. It's there. Um, But it's there like for the people that it's for. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I mean, always... for those of you who are listening, obviously you can't see what's <laughs> happening here, but she has a mask on that has all different boob shapes, right? So I designed this mask yes. for my first mammogram. Uh-huh. Ladies, go get your mammograms. <laughs> um, and I made one for myself to wear to the mammogram and one for the mammogram tech. Oh my God. <laughs> and one for the officer, the office manager lady who made my appointment for mm-hmm. me because I was really nervous making the appointment. Yeah. And she was like, you're going to be fine. So I made these last year for my first mammogram and they have been a big hit. Big hit, yeah. Yeah. As they should be. <laughs> so 
anyway, but what I was going to say was as far as following your wisdom and like figuring out who you are and making the best decisions you know how to make in that moment, in that moment is key. Like Mm -hmm. as long as you're in your life and paying attention to it and not letting it just live itself around you. Right. That's, that's what you need. I love that. That's what you can do. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, how do you stay so inspired? Like what inspires you? Like where do you get your inspiration from? Besides having mammograms and medical procedures. (laughs) Obviously that was some inspiration for you. It really was. Yeah. Um, My husband was like, what are you drawing? Boobs. (laughs) Why? Why not? (laughs) (laughs) What inspires me? Um, all kinds of things. I mean, sometimes I'll listen to a podcast or I'll read a book mm-hmm. and a quote will really inspire me. Sometimes it's looking at other artists' work and I think maybe I'll try that and see what happens. Sometimes it's just necessity. Like mm-hmm. all my woodworking stuff has just been born out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A lot of times it's just something I think is funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like everyday life. Everyday life. Yeah. You get so much inspiration from everyday life. Some of my best ideas are just trying to do something and you're like, huh, this could be a good idea, better, better use in the office or a better way to, to create or to, I don't know, finish a task. And isn't it interesting how when you like sit down and try to think about ideas, you can't, you get nothing, nothing, (laughs) got nothing. But then when you're in the shower. Yeah. The best. That's actually a thing that I heard about recently about like why you have so many good thoughts in the shower. Because <laughs> because your brain needs that time to process stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're so inundated with information and mm-hmm. stimulation constantly mm-hmm. from our phones or TVs or families or whatever. And when you're in the shower, you're just there like in the moment. Right, yeah. <laughs> and your brain can actually process things. Oh. Um, so I think we want to ask the question we ask everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm ready. What <laughs> – what is your, we like to ask, like, have you had an oh shit moment? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, daily. Yeah. I, have, I mean, I literally have no idea what I'm doing ever. Yeah. Um, the podcast is inspiring the everyday entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm more the everyday and not so much the entrepreneur because <laughs> I really don't have a plan. Mm. I just am sort of following one step to the next and doing whatever seems like the next right thing for me. And that has worked out well so far. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. So every day is like, oh. <laughs> I mean, you'd be surprised. That's entrepreneurship in, in and of itself. You don't know what you're doing 98% you're of like, the time. This seems logical right now. And then you're like, no, that wasn't logical. Yes. Was wrong turn. Yes. Um, of course, correct. But I haven't, I mean, I'm very, at least financially risk averse. Mm. So I haven't, you know, taken a huge loan or. Mm-hmm. Like taken the leap. But I haven't, no, I haven't like quit a job to try to mm-hmm. fully support myself financially on my art or mm-hmm. um, anything like that. So I haven't had that kind of moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I, I'd say my my moment is daily when I'm like, I don't know what to do. How do these people know what to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, how do you balance it all? I mean, and a I, teacher, and I, you're a mom. And I think there's daughter. a lot of people in your position, especially in the creative realm, where they are – and maybe they love the entrepreneur part of the business, but it's not something that they want to support a family on. So they still have like their day job and that you love, like mm-hmm. you love teaching, you're passionate about it. And then you also have this great creative outlook. So that's a lot on your plate that you have a family, you mm-hmm. have a child, a husband. How do you balance it all? Well, pre-COVID, 
I was teaching a lot. Mm-hmm. In COVID times, I have not been teaching so much. So that has helped balance it a lot. I haven't, <laughs> <laughs> haven't had a lot of work to it's do. balanced for you. Yeah, it got balanced for me. But that also meant that my daughter was home full time. She, mm-hmm. was, she was in preschool while I was working before. Mm-hmm. And so for the last year and a half, we've both been home all the time. So mm-hmm. there has been that balance. Um, we implement quiet playtime. <laughs> 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 when she stopped napping altogether, mm-hmm. we just kept having nap time, but she wouldn't sleep. She would Mm -hmm. just go in her room and play. And we just enforced it so thoroughly (laughs) that she she doesn't like it all the time, but she doesn't really question it either. It's just time for that. And so that gives me time every day to to work on something or just catch my breath. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anything new or exciting coming down the pipeline? Like, and let our audience know where they can purchase your work. Oh gosh, I don't I don't know about nothing new or exciting. I'm just kind of doing what I'm doing. I feel like I'm at a point where I'm just making whatever wants to come out of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever is in my brain that wants to be made, I'm just going to make that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you go to my Instagram, which is oh so cute designs, <laughs> it, you could see anything. It could be woodwork, it could be painting, it could be okay um, graphic art. It, not like graphic art, but right. like <laughs> graphically designed art. Um, Explicit art. <laughs> I mean, the boobs. Yeah. yeah. They're cartoonish, though. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. they're really like clip arty. Yeah, they are. Um, but pretty much everything you can find at bethmcmillan.com. Okay. It's M-C-M-I-L-L-I-A-N. There's a mm-hmm. sneaky extra I in there. Yes. Um, and from there, you can get to my Etsy shop, my spoon flower. Um, I just used some of my own spoon flower design wallpaper in my mm. laundry room and it's fabulous oh i saw that fabric there too so etsy spoonflower society six red bubble like anything you want yeah <laughs> if they want something custom they can reach and out if they you. want something custom they can mm-hmm. um, there's a contact form on the website yeah. too well it's been so great chatting with you it has been yes Thanks, everyone, for gathering us today to talk about the hustle. For our episode with Beth, we actually made chocolate mug cake with Beth's original recipe. We hope you will get the chance to make it this week and cheers to doing one little thing every day. To learn more about Beth and her business, visit BethMcMillan.com or follow her on Instagram at OhSoCuteDesigns. And to learn more about our hustles, visit CNDEvents.com, TheBradfordNC.com, and HustleAndGather.com or follow us on Instagram at CNDEvents, at TheBradfordNC, and at HustleAndGather. And if you like this show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Earfluence. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we'll talk to you next time on Hustle and Gather.